Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to bring you a conversation that I had with Sam Arnold, the media design lead at King's Church Eastbourne. Sam is a graphic designer, a filmmaker, a web designer and a coder. He's remarkably creative and he's curious about the world. He's also superb at conveying ideas in his work. Now, Sam and I actually joined church staff together back in 2005, and so I've gotten to know him quite well over the years. It was a lot of fun to sit down with Sam and look back and talk back about some of the years of working together on various projects in the church and also glean some of the wisdom and insights that he's gained over the years as a designer and someone in the communications side of church life. From sermon series artwork to church booklets to inspirational videos and short films, including one about the meaning of marriage he made with Andrew Wilson that's been shown around the world and viewed over 30,000 times on Vimeo alone, Sam has turned his hand to pretty much anything. Sam's first personal vlog that he put out at the start of the pandemic, aimed at helping churches think about live streaming, has helped hundreds of churches make best use of the opportunity available to us with the internet. Now, to view some of his work, including some of his more recent personal projects that showcases his incredible ability to think clearly and visually about complex theology, go to sa-design.co.uk and also wovendesign.uk. More information about Sam as well as those links will be in the description to today's episode. Now, having been a designer for the better part of two decades and having been on church staff for the better part of two decades, I began by asking Sam how it was that he got into design in the first place and how he then came to see and pioneer some expressions of a partnership between design and communications and the Christian gospel and church messaging. Over to Sam. I hope you enjoy the conversation. It's a bit of a cliche, but I've I've been into colouring it since the day I was born. <laughs> no, I think it. I think it's like good to take yourself not too seriously because actually, like I think you, you like with all things, you get this like imposter syndrome, and I had that for quite a long time with design. Just thinking, oh, I don't know all the rules of graphic design. I'm a bit rubbish, and being a shy introvert by nature, like that didn't help. So I find like just making light of it, just like it's just colouring in, just calm down. <laughs> you know, it kind of is kind of just flips my mindset into being like just have a bit of fun you know it is what it is it's mm, just um but obviously there is there is depth to it and it's it's a rich form of communication and um, probably like um the thing that really sparked it off like obviously I went to university and did this really broad media degree that was like everything from computer programming to photography to web design um to music production like a little bit more sound and it's like it was so broad but it gave me such a cool spectrum of like the creative arts, I suppose the practical is very practical degree. Um, all our like essay, all our like um, exams were like multiple choice open book, and it's like total mockery. <laughs> but it's still a bachelor of science, I think. So yeah, awesome. But so the, the degree was really cool. But alongside that, I was in Bradford. And I went to Abundant Life Church there, which, um, if you don't know the church, it's a very different flavor of church to our new commit our new ground community like of churches it's sort of very much the Hillsong flavor of the time and at the time they only sang Hillsong songs and it's very much that kind of inspirational teaching kind of very high production um and it was 
it was, amazing, it was an amazing experience. Um, so the, the teaching was different, um, but on the in the foyer on the, on the wall, they had this plaque that just said the church I see, and it was like their sort of commissioning statement. And one of them is like, we will use every available channel to get the gospel out there. And they're like on God TV, and they've got like the huge camera cranes and the jibs flying around the main hall while they're doing church. And um, it was this like incredible high production thing. And actually while I was there, I saw the church go from like, 800 in like this old kind of warehouse building that looks very similar to King's. So they built a new, a, new, a big new church hall in their, like their car park. They just had a load of land around the back. And I think by the time I left, it felt like it was about 1,500 people. And um, it was... It was just a phenomenal experience. And I think, like, while I was there, I took loads of friends to to that church, um, partly just because it was interesting. Like, sometimes we look at that stuff and think, oh, no, there's, no, there's obviously no depth. If, there's, if it's all just nice packaging, like, will there be any depth there? Um, but just the fact that it was interesting and the music was high quality, I think there's a question of, like, why is it? Why is it like this? Um, so, yeah, that kind of gave me the confidence to invite my friends, actually. This is, you know, it's not going to be what you expect. It's going to be different. Mm. It's going to make you think because it is different. Mm. Um, and, like, I saw a bunch of them actually give their lives to Jesus. And not all of them have stuck with it, but some of them have, which is awesome. But then you just get... I think that was a, the spark at the beginning when you're like, wow, it's just look at the way they use media. Look at the way they use music. Look at the way it gathers people. And look at the way that they it opens them up to like preach the gospel mm. and it just it it did that <laughs> you know like I just saw it practically even like I played in the youth band at the time and um they, they'd gather however many hundreds of kids it was for like this once a month thing and like they just really preached the gospel at them and we do the best we could playing our music and um you just kind of like lots of thought processes I suppose were kicked off at that time and it just mm. put me like put a real deep desire to actually like oh, I want to use my skills to like somehow build God's kingdom is like however I can like what is what is better than that I guess part of what happened at Abundant Life you had someone who had a, a gift and desire to design and create saw an application for that within mm. ministry and mission that then kind of coincided with uh, a pastor leading a church down in Eastbourne that had a similar vision for mission to engage people and I know that has been a big driver behind a lot of what you do and why you do is is communicating the gospel and communicating Christian things, not just to Christian people, but to outside the church so yeah. that the, the world understands. Um, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about some of your just philosophy and theory of design and why design and, and how you do, how you go about all of that sort of thing. Well, broad that, question. Yeah, and I'd also, this is, uh, and it's a broad question, I'd also like to know like the, the, in, the, the interplay between just how you've, how you've stayed fresh and how you grow your skill set so that you, your designs don't look predictable. They never look predictable, what you come out with. It doesn't look like, oh, that's definitely a Sam Arnold all the time because how do you stay fresh and get new ideas um, that, that has a, a flavour and a feel yeah. about you in them? Okay, let's start with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, ideas-based design is quite a cool concept and, like, using designer's language rather than, like there's two ways you can approach design. You can pr approach it as like decoration. It's like the packaging, 
that your product comes in, but it's not the substance itself. Um, like you can make a logo look cool. Like originally when I designed the King's Church logo, not that one, but put the K in a circle <laughs> inside a square. I just tried trying to make it look cool. I wasn't like trying, I try to make it look professional. And that does communicate something like you care about this project. Time's gone into it. We've done it in a professional manner. It scales well. It does all the things that a, a logo should do. Um, but it's still kind of that surface level thing. And then like that can get quite, predict like that can get quite predictable that can get quite boring but thought space based ideas kind of take you in a different direction where you're actually trying to communicate something through the design and i think the first time the light bulb turned on on that i think it was like the moses teaching series where i did this graphic of moses wandering in the wilderness but from like that aerial shot down his yeah, his path spelt out moses and i was like and it's like there's order in the chaos there's a plan and you're involved in that plan and you don't realise you're executing this plan and executing this design and it all looks like madness from your perspective, but you, you get some elevation, you see that perspective and God's got this design into it and, and this whole time you've been on journey with God and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's, it's just like when you get into the, I think that's the curiosity side of things, is like when you try and get under the surface of what it is you're trying to communicate, it leads you to communicate things in different ways you wouldn't expect and it leads to different designs than you would have expected. Mm. And in that sense, it just it just makes things more interesting. So again, like I love the citizens, like when we did the citizens one, that came out well, instead of drawing a map of the UK, I mapped out sort of the major towns and cities and just did a dot to dot between them. And you still got like the form and shape of the UK, but it was from towns and cities rather than a geographical map. And it like, you're like, oh, it feels like people and it's connected and it's just like on another level it's just interesting because it's just slightly different so like um that i think in, in part is like what keeps you what keeps you interested it's actually just try to do something you've never done before try and think in a way you've never thought before and just go a little bit deeper into like how could i communicate what i'm trying to communicate mm -hmm. and um i think another layer one is i haven't just stuck with graphic design because that you do get designers that are just like they design book covers their entire life or for a long period of time and it just melts your brain a little bit because it's the same thing over and over and over. And so, like, if I stick with one thing for too long, um, yeah, you get you get bored and it, it gets a bit repetitive, which is partly why I love working in a church setting because, mm. like, I think the way, the way to earn money is to really specialise and be, like, the best type designer or, or whatever and just really have a niche place. I think I've heard people say it's just like so boring at the same time as well. Like if you actually want satisfaction and fulfillment, those are kind of self-orientated words. But if you want to keep things interesting, it's actually learn lots of, never stop learning, never just throw extra layers onto your skill set, which really works in a church setting where you don't have a team of designers, you don't have a film crew and an audio team and this, that and the other, like you are it in a church of this size anyway. And um, so you end up learning like filming and graphic design. And I've been learning a lot more about audio and how to EQ and apply filters and do compression on, on sound, which Richard's been teaching me. It's like, and obviously we have like a wealth of YouTube out there. That's just insane. And like, I suppose over the last 10 years, I've been really learning like the video side of things. And I've realized how oh, the video is like the most immersive, powerful richest form of communication there is mm. um you can produce stuff that's like way more articulate than you can ever be in real life and you can use design within that 
as a language to underline and highlight and emphasize what you're saying. You can use music to really shape and craft the tone to what it needs to be. And in that process, you pay attention. Like this is where it's good to be sensitive, like I am, is to like be sensitive to your emotional response to everything. Because actually when you see a design or, or anything, you have a slight emotional response. You see red on a tap, I know that's going to be hot. Even if it's just a really mild emotional response, um, like you see cold, you know it's going to be cold. But with every single like, piece of type or font or font choice or colour. Mm. There is an emotional reaction that you have. Learning to control that and craft that is what makes you powerful. Mm. <laughs> it will give you power. And then but then you have to use that wisely. Um, but it's like that's that's what's drawn me to video is actually the the ability to craft and tone and colour things in a way that if you're you're wise and responsible in it can be really used for God's kingdom. And like, there's obviously massive benefits to video, like as your church grows in size and you have more than one meeting, perhaps, um, you can like play them at more than one meeting and you can play the exact same message. You can play them in life groups. You can play them on the alpha course if you've done like really cool video stories. Mm. It's not just like, let's stick us on the internet. Maybe people will watch it. It's like, actually, that's really useful to me. I want to play it at our alpha courses and I don't need that person there telling the story every single time. I'll just, we'll just play it play the video there's a real practical element to it as well so it's interesting i'm not i've not thought about it like this before but i guess in design you're you're communicating and just as we communicate with our words and just as you can talk in cliches that are ultimately boring so you can talk you can talk in design language that's cliched yeah. and ultimately boring and when someone's starting out in communicating um, or someone's having a go at doing something they're mainly they're mainly concerned with being competent at, at passing a piece of information along yeah. but actually it, and it's the same with design I want to communicate and do something so that doesn't look terrible but then you you move beyond that to the emotion of design and the, the language and the concepts behind it. And you talked about being sensitive to the way your, your, your brain is reacting to, or your emotions are reacting to the different designs that you see. So what advice would you have on how to cultivate that level of reactivity and understanding, maturity in, in hearing what your eye, because I like this, is an interesting, your eyes are, are like ears that are hearing a message all the time and interpreting it. So how, how have you cultivated a sense that you've learned to be sensitive to that? Yeah, I think one thing I was really grateful is starting out here and having the length of time that I've had to develop. And um, like I definitely wasn't the finished product when I came on in like 2005, started working for Kings. I was like out of university, three years experience, start working here, but I was still on that beginning of that design journey and like with anything like as you raise a child it takes time for them to grow and develop so I think one answer to that is it's, it's just a slow process God works in our lives slowly and we hate that because, because like time is so limited we're such finite beings we only have so much time when something takes 10 years you're like that's like one seventh of my life or whatever my life might be and um, so like so God works in surprisingly slow ways that are really annoying and it's the same with design you like you gradually build up like your skill and your level like you do with preaching is like mm. you're you're at your level of preaching and your level at doing interviews because you spent however many years doing it and you slowly progressed it's not uh there are maybe sometimes spikes when you have like a moment of realization or you just add something new to your skill set mm. but i think the thing i was really grateful for is just the ability to develop um here at king's and work on lots of kind of lower pressure projects that some of them turned out like amazing, like we had some great projects and there's other stuff I'm like, 
oh Sam did you really design that <laughs> when you like look back at things you're like oh that's that makes me cringe that's painful <laughs> but um it's it's just I think part of it is just time but also given time to learn on projects um, and push yourself further like don't try and do the same thing every single time like if we're after efficiency and utility like we so often are in our culture just like productivity 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 mm-hmm. you won't learn anything and like there's a lot of times you need to slow down to expand your skill set and actually speed up in future is the irony of slowing down to speed up in future where you kind of actually each like there'll be projects that come along that are just like a little bit more special that we just want to do a little bit of a better job and I'll just try and do something I've never done before, like whether it's like use a green screen or try this kind of motion graphics animation out Mm -hmm. or just have a play with something new. One, to keep it interesting, but two, to expand my skill set and see what I'll learn from it. I think part of it is almost being slightly countercultural, just pushing against the gravity of the productivity and the utility that we so often have. Um, even if it's expensive to you personally. So like when I was freelance, I'd often like I'd quote a certain amount of time, but I'd always spend way longer on a lot of projects. And I'd be like, oh, no, Sam, why did you do that? You're not earning enough money or you're not charging enough. Um, but on the other end, it was like, no, but I'm rewarding myself with a new skill set that makes me better in future. Um, I remember some of those early videos. So one of the early, early kind of, what did you call it, motion animation or something, um, where you designed a graphic that went alongside a prophetic word that we received as a church yeah. with the waves, Keith Hazel's that. thing. I think that's one of the first video things I might have done. Yeah, and it, it just, it spent, it took you hundreds of hours, certainly tens of hours to I produce I remember how lucky it took me. Every minute took me eight hours. Every minute took you eight hours. That's <laughs> great. And now I look at some of the things you're making. Like the, one of the recent videos you did, I think is a personal project about um, there, is mis- there is beauty in the not knowing. It's just astonishing. And yet I watched that just feeling overwhelmed and intimidated by how long it must have taken. Oh, I did too. I learned so <laughs> much from doing it though. Um, so... Yeah, that, that was a personal project, not something I've done at King's. Um, so um, this ties into a, a longer story, but I was sort of forced into doing less work um, by life circumstances. So I have a sleep disorder. It's very painful. I've been up since 2.30 this morning, actually. And um, yeah, there is a kind of like, oh, why, God, why behind it? Um, but what, And it kind of happened all the way through the pandemic as well when things got like... It started pre-pandemic and then six months later the pandemic hit and then and then I'm doing like trying to keep church online and all this stuff and you kind of feel like, God, you pulled the rug out from under me here. And it was just a time that I think God's been like, chill out, I've got you. Even though you can't discern that I'm helping you, it's like, actually, we got through that time. Actually, I had to be really disciplined with my time because I knew that if I overdid it, overdid the hours, which I am tempted to do, which I, I'm more inclined to spend too many hours too much overtime on, on stuff like I knew I would burn out mm. and then I was also like presenting in at the beginning presenting church as well like online with the camera in my face doing it from my loft which was actually I really enjoyed it um but it was definitely, dream, wasn't it? yeah just talking to a camera <laughs> no well it's, it's introvert and it's extrovert all at the same time because obviously you got how many hundred people are watching but I, was like, I just remember Terry Wogan's little saying you're only ever talking to one person so just like treat the camera as just just one person even if 
there's 300 people watching or, or whatever. Um, so I enjoyed that. Mm. But I think it put, it was like in one sense being in a straight jacket mm. and it still is as, as in like, I really have to be careful how many hours I do. And there's a responsibility there because if I, if I work too many hours, I'll just be up at one o'clock and I'll, I'll just be a bit of a zombie the next few days, basically. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, it's like I learned so much <laughs> from making those videos and like it filled me with so much joy just being out and about filming sunrises mm. at 3 a.m. when everyone else is in bed and you feel like you're getting you're something really, out You're of using this. your sleep disorder as a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and um, like you, it's hard not to feel grateful when you see a beautiful sunrise rise up in front of you. You're like, it's a lesson that beauty comes out of pain in a way, even if it's a small lesson. Mm. And if you, when you stand there and you're all alone and you're watching the sunrise, you feel like he's created it just for you. It's just like, you feel like in amongst all this kind of pain and disorder and chaos, actually, God's not answering your prayers the way you would like. He's not a slot machine where you put in faith and you punch a number as in the prayer, the answer to prayer comes out the way you want it. It's actually, no, he answers with his presence a lot of the time. Like when you're standing there with your hands open going, why, God, why? <laughs> I need you. I need you. It's like, thank, thank you. You need me. Here's my presence. That's what you really need. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's the, that's the story behind why such videos exist now. Mm. Even on this level, we're seeing God's design work in, just to tie it up nicely, just to seeing God's design work actually in pain and suffering. Like, it opens your eyes to so many things. You just learn so much through it. Even on, like, when we're doing the live stream now, like, initially I thought it was going to be, like, hoped it would be this evangelistic tool that would be good enough and we'd have enough confidence in it to, like, pump it out on social media and invite people to invite others with it mm. and all of this. Like, it hasn't quite been that, but it's still at a good level that really serves a lot of sick and isolated people. Mm. And it's like, on one level, like, I now get it in a way that I never would have got it before because suffering does isolate you, it does compound you. Like, I can't get out and about in the evenings. Like, if I basically look at my phone for like more than a minute in the evening, I'm up at 1am. Or if I watch a film with subtitles on, it basically stimulates my mind somehow. And one of the sleep disorders I have is restless legs in the night where my basically involuntary limb movements kind of kick off, basically. I think it's to do with, they really know, no one really knows why. I think it can be like a chemical imbalance mm -hmm. in your nervous system. But basically like too much brain stimulation in the evening um, causes me to have really bad sleep. So I can't, I can't even go to a prayer meeting or a life group. And you're like, God, like, I went to this prayer meeting in faith that you, I would be okay and you give me a Scooby snack because, you know, I did something highly and spiritual. And it's like, no, God, God actually doesn't model collie you. He doesn't wrap you up in cotton wool. Like, he'll absolutely teach you so much through pain and suffering. But at the same time, put so much of his, meet you with so much of his presence as, as well. And... Um, it just seems to be like an extra grace and mercy that gets thrown in. Um, and I suppose when you zoom out and look at the big picture, you realise there's so many different angles and sides to like these sorts of things. Mm. And it's really good to see God's design work and purpose in it. To hear the voice of God just nourishes you like nothing else. Um, when you look at the fact that we've got rest, the rest of eternity to deal with isn't it amazing that we'll never run out of things to discover about god like we'll keep going like era after era epoch after epoch in the ages to come oh it's beautiful and thank you so much for sharing that i think it does open up just a whole line of thought really about is is this part of like um like an artist not the sleep disorder but the way of thinking and see is this part of like an artist's curse of 
once you move beyond the utility of communication to the beauty of communication and the beauty in the world around you, it can become this tyrant that destroys you because you want to <laughs> you want to create this perfect thing. Which yeah. so may, maybe for people in design work or you know, I I would suspect it's an industry. It was a, designing something is something with it. There's ne you can never yeah. over design something. You're always going to because you're always going to be aware of all the imperfections in something as an artist would. And is this is this just part of the the lessons that you're learning about um, having to realise your own finiteness in the midst of a beautiful and overwhelmingly complex and complicated thing? And then how does that teach you things about just projects that you're designing and life? And I don't know if there's any question in there, just thoughts. No, 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 they're good. Um, so what I learned from that project is I like I made it way too complicated. And I think like when something actually takes too long, you kind of you can lose the joy in making it as well. In particular, the motion graphics and the graphic design is what really adds time. But when, if you just stick to good camera work, basically, you can communicate a lot quite quickly. I think part of the joy of making projects that's like that is actually the project hitting the sweet spot. Um, if it takes too long, you kind of get a bit fed up with it. And also you get a bit snow blind to it. You just kind of hear your own voice over and over again and thinking, is this good? And then you can't stop changing it and like so there's actually you lose joy when you go too far and so what you find is that different projects land in different lanes like there's loads of design projects that I bang out like super quick like event slides and flyers and powerpoint powerpoint slides for sunday mornings editing sunday teaching stick it online i just there's so many jobs i just do super quick so i'm like i don't want to i don't want to spend time on this and i shouldn't spend time on this it just needs to look at i know the level that it sort of needs to be at bang it out that lat devil, um, move on. Um, yeah, yeah, deadlines always help as well because then you've obviously, you've got a target to hit, which does shape the size and scope of your project. Yeah. I think there is a saying that however much time you got for a project, it will end up being that. <laughs> it's just kind of, it just kind of flows to be that size. So if you know you've only got two days to edit something, you know you'll have to edit it in two days. If you've got 10 weeks, it can just grow and expand to like this colossal thing. What would you say? What would you say to your younger self? And obviously, uh, I don't know if uh, if something like your sleep disorder has been caused by overwork. But what would you say to your younger self? Where I know you used to put in just like you said, working through the night. Because you could say this has got to be done in two days, and you could, you should still sleep. <laughs> or you could say <laughs> and don't sleep. You use every hour you can. Um, how would you re redo some of those earlier yeah. years where you were just burning the candle at both ends? That was more out of um, probably identity, like in terms of thinking like, when I got the job on here, I was aware that I'd never had a design designer here on staff. And also I'd never done video before as well. So I was like in a new job, in a new role, and kind of just felt the pressure to like prove myself and make sure it was worthwhile. Um, combined with that is that obviously the usually the hardest client to work client but your employer and the hardest person to work for is someone who isn't familiar with design and how how much length is is, is required in each process so when you when you go in and you work for you do a day's work for a design studio they've you know you just go with the flow they know how long things take it's quite easy when you go in and work for someone who doesn't have those those uh, doesn't have the experience really. Their expectations are often usually like way higher. So it was partly it was the expectations, 
of what was sort of hoped for from me that I then tried to meet because I felt like I had to prove myself and prove my worth, which, to be honest, I, I probably did. <laughs> that, I think that pressure was there. That's, that's part of employment. You're, like, you're there to do a job. Um, but it just coincided with, actually, I think the general rule with video, if you, if you think it takes two hours, it probably takes ten. And so there's that just whole so dynamic at play. Yeah. yeah, it's like DIY. You start it, you think this is going to take me an hour, then you, you start the job and you realise I've got to do this, 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 mm. this, and this. And like, oh, that's going to take a whole lot longer than I first realised. So I think it was just growing, one, learning a new skill set in terms of, like, video, but two, like, learning how to upwards manage yeah, yeah. expectations from senior leaders. And they were in a learning process as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, in recent times, I've definitely learned to to calm down, and um, I don't think my sleep disorder was was caused by any of that because um, uh, one, I like calmed it down quite a few years before it kicked in, and then there's there's been other triggers, and I think it's just part of my physiology and. Death comes to us in stages, <laughs> and it's designed to humble us, you know, and keep us reliant on God. It's an interesting, um, helpful, like reflection, looking back and saying, yeah, there was an element to which it was appropriate that I worked hard because yeah. I need to prove myself. But learning to commute, to manage upwards is really important. Um, but recognizing there are issues always going on of our identity. But you add into that, I guess, any creative work. There's always going to be an element of the pull of creation that's so much that's so enjoyable. And you want to make this look as good as you can. So you're, yeah, I mean, it's always that the heart's deceitful who can understand it. Like, I, I know I'm doing this because I want to prove myself, but I'm also doing it because I really like it and it's mm. worshipful. Yeah, and then you're like, I, is this a form of self-gratification <laughs> where you're like, who am I doing this for? Is it an act of worship for God? Am I spending this length of time? Because it's like, this is my alabaster jar that I'm breaking out and pouring out and I'm just giving it to you. Or is it, is it a monument to myself? Is it an achievement? I go, hey, look at me. That's pretty awesome what I did there, isn't it? I like, that's a temptation for all of us, like anyone who's on a stage or not on a stage. Um, do, you, do you find the view count to be a tyrant? You, did you worry about that? Like, are we getting enough traction? Are people looking at this? Are they sharing this? What does that do to your soul? <laughs> How have you, what have you learned about? Yeah, it's, inter it's an interesting philosophy because it's like, like when I did that video in lockdown and it got like a couple thousand views and stuff like, wow, that was really amazing that you did that, God. I'm so grateful that I got to be part of something that was useful. And then you make a couple of hours and no one views them. And you're like, well, on one level, you're like, was that a waste of time? Should I, should I have done that? Should I have? So the view count does matter. But there's also that, that sense of like, what would you take? Like a million views of a dancing cat or 50 views and somewhere down that line, that video does something that just sets something in motion in someone and they end up giving their life to Christ down. Like, you'll never know that. As like, we can't work on those stats, obviously, but it's like, well, I'll take the later one. <laughs> it's like, you don't know what God's going to do with um, your design work when you offer it up. So like, we're kind of, we value what we can measure and view count is what we can measure. So you can be a bit drawn in by that. But I think if you're, after millions of views, it 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 propels you towards the superficial um, and the entertaining, um, and their entertainment is definitely a tool you can use to keep people engaged and then deliver them the gospel later on. So it's like a, a valid thing. But I think if you're just after views, you'll engineer and design things differently than if you're after substance and depth 
even if that reaches fewer people. So like, like we think about digital media and we think about, oh, we can reach the world and all of that. It's like, one of the really beautiful things about producing stuff for your local church is like, if you do an apologetic series and you, you have it in your church on a Sunday, like we did with the big objections, and stick it online, those got loads and loads of views. And like, that was amazing. We heard loads of stories of people mm. watching them and people's colleagues watching them. But also you can come in and chat to these people in a church on a Sunday morning. Like, that's, you, that's not some random guy from America 5,000 miles away. That's a guy in your local church that you can go and have a chat to. Mm. And so, like, in that sense, like, you don't want to be drawn by the view count because local is beautiful and you're going to reach less people, but it's more targeted at those fewer people. Mm. But obviously, you create a video and only 10 people watch it, then it's like, maybe that's not one we do over and over and over again. So you can't obviously completely ignore it either. Mm. Um, so you yeah. touched on there some of your just philosophy of what you make and who you're making it for. And I know you, you, know, you said you've been on a, a journey yourself in trying to, as the church started live streaming, who's this for, what are we trying to achieve? Mm. Um, and your, your kind of clarity of understanding that, no, this is for local people. We're trying to share this with our town, even though this is on the, the world wide web <laughs> and anybody could watch it. What are some other lessons and things that you've learned about um, design and local church and technology you might use and, um, yeah, the sort of projects that have been effective? I think one of the cool things is that when you do something well at your local church, it gets replicated across other churches. And that's a really beautiful dynamic is like, um, even though you're just like little Sam Arnold working behind the scenes in your local church or whoever's doing your stuff at Seaford, it's like if you really do something well, like that might have been a website in 2005 and we redesigned it, I saw that. People would go, oh, that website's really cool. And I was like, yes. Uh, but you saw other people then implement their own design and sometimes copy it. Actually, one of the greatest compliments I've ever received is when I went to another church and saw a carbon copy, a literal carbon copy of my magazine. <laughs> like font, layout, page design, form at the back. It was all identical. I was like... I was like, okay, you could have tailor-made that a little bit more to you, and I'm sure you will do in future. Um, but it's like the biggest compliment you've ever, like, you could ever get. And it's like, mm. that's that's a beautiful thing. I think when you experiment with tech, you're not just necessarily doing it for your own church. It's like, if it's successful, that's something you can pass on to other churches around you and can have a bigger di bigger impact, even though you're not the one doing it, you're not the one making it happen. Mm. You kind of, you did start, or you were used in forming a ripple that went outwards, which is really cool. So I think it's just remembering you can have a bigger influence than you realise, even if you are behind the scenes, no one knows you, mm. kind of guy at your local church. And well, just on that, because I think, you know, obviously with, with producing a podcast like this, you think, I have no idea if anybody listens anywhere. But, that, but then you, <laughs> you have to realise... That doesn't matter because I'm doing it for worship because I enjoy it. And whatever you do, there has to be an element to which you're, you're, this is an act of worship, this is an act of life. It's unlike a sermon on a Sunday. I can preach a sermon and someone can come up to me afterward, look, look me in the eye and say, thank you, I, I got something from that. You think, oh, good. But when you're doing stuff behind the scenes for the world or just digitally, there's, it's different because you're not looking for or expecting any kind of eyeball, like, thank you, I got that. You might see a view count, but even then, it could be a two-second view count. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there is that. I think it's a, certainly a journey I've learned as well, is just realising, oh, I do this for me. Like, I do it because I love it. <laughs> um, and if people, were blessed, if people appreciate anything you do, then great. But obviously, if you're doing it week in, week out, yeah, year in, year out, where do, you get your, where do you get your energy to keep going with this sort of thing is a question. Um, 
there was like a really awesome prophetic word I have from Keith Hazel that I think captures the heart of it. So he was like a Canadian prophet and he, I've actually had two different occasions where he's come and given me a prophetic word, but like in one of the words, he actually said, you will have a harvest if you do not give up. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like that's, that's the absolute core of what I want. It's just like a harvest, like people to know Jesus who didn't know Jesus before. Um, it's not just for emotional effects. <laughs> um, but for, or for people to be discipled when they weren't discipled or needed it, really needed it before, like that's actually, I think, at the, what the core is, at what drives you. And that word, you, if you don't give up, means I can never quit. So <laughs> it's like, at what point? At what point, Lord? But um, like, so for myself, when I was in my early 20s, when I actually came out of university, I felt like this massive cloud go up for me and God. I don't think there was a... I think what it was was that there was no plan or direction for my life past university. Like until that point, it's all mapped out and it's quite clear and you've got goals. And then you get a job and you're like, okay, well, it's just this for the next 50 years, is it? And it's quite depressing. And I think I just struggled a bit with that. But um, I think this is at the heart of, of why I'm a bit passionate about it is like when I started discovering these things called online sermons that people would put up there and just started leading... Um, listening just to the audio of just all these different preachers from around the world and actually it I kind of felt this cloud disperse like I was and it wasn't it wasn't the internet it wasn't the preaching itself it was understanding God's word and being connected to him and just understanding truth but those things connected me to that and like it did something so special and shaping in my life at that time you're like if I could just help do a little bit of that that is awesome and like they don't know about me you know they'll never like I'll be a view on their stats but they don't they don't know about my story or who I am or where I come from and it's kind of like a little bit like the old missionaries going to Africa and plowing the soil with the gospel and dying just not knowing what they've done but in future generations there's a massive harvest and there's like there is a sowing there's an element of it the way you're sowing into the unknown in faith and it's not blind faith there's like prophetic words that guide you and there's like trying to walk with the spirit you know it's like you read in the old testament Enoch walked with God it's like oh my gosh if I could have that written on my gravestone just that Sam Arnold walked with God turned left when God said turn left turn right when God said turn right like that's the absolute pinnacle though right isn't it so I think it's probably that underneath like playing around with graphic design trying to have fun with technology um I think underneath it there's like a, a deeper goal and it's like it is the great commission you know how beautiful are the feet of that bring good news and we don't just have feet we have these insane square black rectangles in our pockets that are just phenomenal communication devices that can be used for good can be used for tremendous evil it can be used for nonsense and distraction but like how do we use that incredible tool for good and for god's glory and in that act 17 kind of everyone's been determined god's dropped us all on the exact timeline exactly where we're meant to be so that some might reach out and hear him and it's like that's you know, there's more people alive today that have ever been alive and they're all dropped onto the timeline in the 21st century and over half the population of the world have an internet access and you think, oh my gosh, that means the gospel is just a, an internet search 
away from them. Mm. And it's just like, that's part of it. You're like, man, the gospel's just never been more accessible um, than it has ever been in human history. And that's a beautiful thing. But how much noise and distraction is and false videos or bad teaching is out there. It's like, there is something that's like, let's try and populate at least our local area with good content that people can dive in. Mm. One of the most satisfying thing is in like, we've had some crazy views on our channel on, on YouTube over the time, like pre-pandemic. We had some spikes in Tokyo, Japan, where they we had 65,000 downloads in a month. And we were like, oh, what the, what the heck? And um, it wasn't just on Vimeo, it was across SoundCloud and our feed press stats for our podcast. Like just that, that same spike. I have no idea what it is. It's probably just like some content's got featured on some platform or website or something. Like we've had some in South Africa as well. And you just kind of think, wow, God can... Mm. Like it didn't cost us anything to put it up online. And that's, that's awesome. But I think what almost warmed my heart more was when, like, I had a couple of... I was chatting to a couple of the youth, teenagers, and they talked about, oh, I'm listening to loads of the teaching online. I'm like, oh, cool. What are you listening to? They're like, obviously, all the teaching on the King's Church website. I'm like, oh, that warmed my heart so much more. Like, teenager in local church, two of them, re-listening to all of your guys' sermons and being edified by it and built up by it. You're like, I... I'd take, the, I'd take the ones and the T's, <laughs> you know, definitely for real. And like in this kind of spiritual ice age that we're all living through in UK and Europe, it's like every, every decision for Christ is hard fought for. It's hard, it's hard won for. So it's like there is no do this with media and it will unlock revival and hundreds of people get saved. Like anything, it's just like whether it's the toddler group or it's alpha, like or it's using media and communication. All these things are like marginal gains, but you add them up all together over the course of time and it can do some really good stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's at the heart of the dream as well. It's just mm -hmm. like long suffering, perseverance, things take time mm -hmm. to grow. Uh, it takes time to see fruit, you plant a seed, it takes time for it to grow and for you to see something for it. So um, there's a, uh, yeah. It's clearly something that God's burdened you with. This. Love. I like your use of the term burden. <laughs> like working for a church isn't a burden. Like I absolutely yeah, love it. No, but like it's something. Okay, yeah, that's true. It makes it sound heavy, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it's something that you're. Carrying. But it is both. It's both. There's a joy and there's a. Yeah, it's a I say burden else. because the the emotion was very close to the surface as soon as you were talking about the reality of the lost being saved and hearing this. So it's a. It's not just. Uh, a fun little design for design's sake or yeah. propaganda or it's not just like to make money because obviously you could have done that in a, in a you know, secular marketplace yeah. and stuff. There's something that God's put on you where you, you see this as a responsibility to, you keep, you often refer to the gospel going out, people hearing the gospel that you, you know, you talk about missionaries of old and see a, you see an, a, a shared an affinity with their spirit that sent them to China with you in Eastbourne and the work that you're doing. I'm not a missionary, <laughs> but I love the spirit. Like there is a little evangelist, I suppose, in me. Um, it was really... It is yeah, a tiny, little in you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really there at university. Then you get immersed in a, Christmas, in a Christian world. But I think it's more excited about creating the frameworks and structures that people then engage with. Oh. Um, so I'm not doing like, I'm not doing like the face-to-face -face stuff. Like, let's just be real with who I am. Just a, a, a guy that lives in an office and designs stuff. Um, but being able to generate structures like a live stream or a website or a teaching 
archive that's accessible and you can search and there's tags and you can find whatever subject you want in there. Um, there is there's a framework there that is just a resource that enables people, you know, to to meet him. And then the other the other side of it is actually your um, I guess on the missional side of things, like we're not usually generating content just purely for being missional in its own sake, like say like Speak Life would do. Um, we're we're using resources to build church, which and the church is missional. So it's like whether it's a gift day to plant a church in Seaford and buy a building there, like that's one of the most satisfying projects we ever did. It's just like uh, video comes alive when you you do it, when you use it to do what you can't do in person and in that case is drive people over to Seaford flying around the church building and talk about how you want to develop and renovate it and take you to different spots over Seaford mm. about where you heard this prophetic word and that prophetic word and just tell that story and tell it very concisely and succinctly mm. and very kind of in a kind of punchy way and that's like I think that's like the best or one of the greatest uses of like video in that aspect is like you can just communicate in these ways and mm. if you do it responsibly and you're not manipulating the truth and you're not overdoing an emotional effect but you're using it wise in this form of persuasion you should give this is a really good thing to give to and it is um it's it's i think that's that's very i guess missional mm. uh but it's not directly missional it's it's the plant in the church in seaford is the missional and you is the missional thing and you're using media to support that and build that so it's kind of it's a supporting kind of structure in your church that can i think be really beneficial if you've got the option and capacity to use it so mm. well i mean even you know, how you talk about evangelism though, and your personality and mission you know, evangelism is a group fishing endeavour. It's not a little man on a gnome. It's all of us pulling a net in using the various aspects of expertise that yeah, we've absolutely. got. And um, I love that. So, because uh, I think this is important because I think design and video making content creation is out there. And often it's just done in the service of self-expression to drive to, to, maybe I'm just being judgmental. It seems like it's done in the service of self-expression to patch over insecurities and vulnerabilities and people's own egos. <laughs> There's definitely a component of that, you know. No, but so, I mean, maybe it's just me being judgmental. Maybe that's what happens in my heart if I was to use it. But you, well, my point is that that's not where you're coming from because you, you've critiqued this and seen this through the lens of the gospel, the mission, worship. Um, and as well as just a sense of God's call on your life, how how what are some of the things that you have done and do to cultivate your just personally your walk with Christ so that you remain um, you don't you don't fall prey to cynicism, bitterness, disappointment, despondency after twenty years on church staff producing content week in week out. I'd love to just I'd be, I think it'd be helpful for people listening to know what are some of the things that you do to keep yourself fresh. There's that there's that phrase in the Bible that's always spoke to me. I can't remember exactly where it is. Just keep your zeal. And I'll be able to find it with Google. <laughs> um, but it's just like, that's spoken to me. Because it's like, that's a responsibility on you. Like, it is, like, you see designers, like, burn out or get fed up and then they do something else. Eventually they come back to it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have a responsibility in what you do to keep your zeal, to keep yourself fresh and to keep yourself excited. And that does mean don't work too many hours. That means do something else. That means actually... Don't be completely absorbed with the utilitarian, I've got to produce, 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 got to do a million lanyards and PowerPoint slides and all the 
all the boring stuff. It's like you actually need the creative, exciting project to learn and to keep yourself fresh. Perhaps something that's almost in the hobby zone that is like untouchable by a client or a church leader. And just like, um, even if it's just like, I'm going to film this time lapse and put it on Instagram, on an Instagram reel or something. It's like, you actually, you need to be creative for creative sake for no other reason than to A, get you out and about and about with your camera or whatever it is you're doing. Do something just pure, keep yourself like in a joyful place where you're just doing it purely for the joy of it and it's not about the views, you know. Um, and just like, like when I get out and about and I just film a time lapse of a sunrise, it's like, it's so awesome, the experience of doing that. Or like flying my drone around, it's just like, it's so much fun, like, you look at the screen you feel like you're flying and it's like it's so much fun doing that it's like I'm I'm almost not bothered about the end result like the experience of doing it mm. just breathes so much life into you as like I need those moments even if they're not that often it's like we gotta just not grind stuff out over and over again actually it's really interesting I love I love learning like I love watching YouTube and watching the YouTubers and like it's amazing seeing what they can do through that form of broadcasting like you watch like Matty Hapoya was one of my like favorite uh, filmmaker YouTube tutorial guys, but with all his like um, vlogs, he would include like his family and a little story about his life, what's happening by day, and like then he would do this tutorial, but then he would like impart like gentle wisdom about living life in between it, and you kind of think, oh, that's mm. that's interesting. But there's been a load of these YouTubers actually just burn out and quit like recently uh, maybe it's something about January but it's kind of like there's been a whole like bunch of them like quite high profile user um, YouTubers that are just either just like taking a break or quitting and it's basically because they've they've turned their channel into a machine and that machine has then scaled and then they've got absorbed with so much of the business side of of it that they're not creating anymore they've sort of lost that joy that passion that mm. creativity has become less and less as the kind of the business side has grown and they probably killed themselves with a, a strict schedule kind of i have to release a video every monday sort of thing and it's like it's taking lessons from that as well like even in the secular world it's like no you just need to like chill and understand that God is much more interested in the inner Sam Arnold than his list of achievements and accolades. And that's definitely be one of the lessons I've been learning over this season, last four and a half years of having a sleep disorder. It's like, absolutely feel God is working on the inner Sam Arnold than the outer Sam Arnold. And it's kind of interesting how, you know, that verse, um, as your outer self is wasting away, your inner self is being renewed day by day. It's kind of interesting to think how one reality propels the other and how there's design in that. It's like, it's not just these two parallel coincidental things. It's actually the process of your body stop functioning quite so well, drives you to your knees, which drives inner renewal. So this is definitely a season of, of kind of um, God working on my character and the inner Sam Arnold, but also like, Taking joy, like I'm preparing a little talk for our Thursday church on the fruits of the spirit. And you think about the, the picture of that fruit of the spirit. It's like, one, the tree stands still. Two, the roots go down and he draws nourishment and water and all the life-giving stuff by putting its roots down. The tree doesn't do anything, it just stands there growing. And like over time, this beautiful thing called fruit appears and it's like, that fruit doesn't just look good. Like it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's self-control, it's long-suffering. Um, it, those things feed people 
you know, that, that is actually a life-giving thing that feeds someone. And they also have these little things called seeds in them that is actually about new life, growing. It's like, actually, God, God is so much more interested in the, our character and the fruits of the spirit. Because actually, yeah, unusual kindness, unusual generosity, unusual self-control and patience, long-suffering, it's... Those things carry the seed of the gospel that is about multiplication and growth. Like those things are more powerful in perhaps executing the Great Commission mm. than perhaps all of our activity. And then when you take like, so I've had quite a few bouts of like fatigue, similar to chronic fatigue. Like that was, I had about a year of it with, it was a side effect of a medication I was taking, but I didn't realise at that time it, that it was the medication because I'd sort of already been on it for 18 months. But it sort of built up and it produces chronic fatigue kind of thing where I, I would literally struggle to get out of bed. Mm. Um, it was very, very debilitating. Um, but you feel like even in that scenario, you can still produce the fruits of the spirit. And actually, I kind of think actually the more you suffer, the more the tree is shaken, the more that fruit comes out and the more it gives life to other people around you. So it's like, actually, even when you're very incapacitated, you can really produce fruit that produces new life and gives to others. Mm. And it's like, it's interesting when you read that kind of 1 Corinthians 13, love is, pe love is patient, love is kind, love is not self-seeking. It's like, you realise it's kind of like, oh, that looks like the fruits of the spirit. It's like, actually what you're seeing is almost like, you know, the Pink Floyd cover where the, the ray of light hits the prism and it comes out like a rainbow. You're actually seeing love split into its component parts, which is peace, patience, kindness, wow. self-control. And you're kind of like, oh, God is producing this thing called love in me, which is what he is. And that is the most powerful, fruitful thing that you can do with your life. And like, it's not all about achievements. It's not all about... That's the kind of the thing we need to grow. And it is expressed through design and how you design a website and how you design whatever it is, whatever project you got next or how you, you organise your ministry and teaching schedule. It's like, actually, if we don't have love, we're just a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal because, like, love is the essence of God. So if we don't have it, it's like all our achievements count for nothing. Mm. And, like, even though they might achieve X, Y, and Z and look good on paper and make you look good, there's gonna, when we stand before God and face judgment, it's going to be like, you did that for you. <laughs> like, your true motives are going to be revealed. Mm. So it's like there's a caution in that and there's a, a slowing down in that. And in this world where we like to achieve, there's kind of a, a, a season where I'm learning, you know, chill out, actually. There's more important foundational stuff underneath that that are actually more effective also at the heart of slowing down and chilling out and taking a chill pill and just being careful about all your achievements could be a monument to yourself mm. and trying to just keep that in check and yeah a lot of this has been forced through this season you know I wouldn't have learned this like the fickle Sam Arnold would be like I'll take health now thanks and I'll I'll run away and be self-absorbed doing what I'm doing. So, like, fickle human being here. But, yeah, God's got plans and designs. But it is, I mean, this is something, I had a conversation with Paul Miller, who wrote the book A Praying Life and A Praying Church, and he, he talks a lot about this, the J-curve. This is the way the Spirit leads. He led Jesus in this way. He will lead you in this way. If you want God to lead you, he will lead you down first mm. into death or disappointment or, you know, heartache, and then up when you've lost all hope, then up into resurrection life. 
And I, I just love your answer to that question about keep, how do you keep yourself fresh in God in so many ways, because I think in this hyperactive, noisy, busy, visual, technological society, people are just like, what can I do? Ultimately, when people have done as much as they can and burnt themselves out and had to quit YouTube because they can't keep going because it's become a monster and a machine, then they realise, oh, it's, it's actually about who I am. And, and then they, they come to the church, they don't want to see servants of Christ who are exhausted and as exhausted and as driven and as, as striving as hard as everybody else in the world. They want to see people, like you said, who are saying, oh, yeah, we're doing this. Here's some love. Here's some, here's some, you know, there's an yeah. essence and a presence to the people of God yeah. and it's not mystical or ethereal and you didn't get it by climbing a mountain or by learning self-discipline or even just learning to meditate really well. You got it through partnering with Christ through the trials and things that it, the Spirit has led you yeah, into. Absolutely. Yeah, R.T. Kendall, I think it's R.T. Kendall talks about the betrayal barrier, how every Christian on their journey will eventually hit a point where they feel like God's completely abandoned them and like, you've just so let me down. God like and that's you realize that's what faith is is kind of trusting in God when he's so confusing and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that's what actually the purest form of faith looks like we just go I will not lean on my own understanding you know we love that is it a psalm or a prophet <laughs> trust not in your own lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight we love that verse it's like oh the serenity I'm just walking through a beautiful meadow while that's happening like no that that verse is for when the torrent of emotion is swirling around you and like you've been beaten down under the waves and you've lost all your orientation it's like the purest form of faith is like it's just trusting in god and when you're just so confused and you don't get it um and that's the test that he puts you through it's the i think it's one peter i'm so terrible at remembering references but it's the the tested genuineness of your faith that is more valuable than gold mm. And um, and then there's this other phrase that I read in a Tim Keller book. It wasn't by Tim Keller, just a quote he's, he included. It just, in terms of suffering, it was like, um, the fire that burns away the dross also purifies the gold. And you're like, that is so deep and rich. Usually one line is don't quite do it for you when, with suffering because it's a bit too quick and dismissive. Mm. But that one's like, that's really fed me for a while. And it's just like, it is unfortunately annoyingly part of god's design <laughs> like in our lives uh, but seeing it really helps you know that's that's part of his slow design process and it's part of mature grown-up faith um is is learning that and i guess in the terms of like how do you keep yourself fresh it's like well it's just recognizing like one i think not everything's like full-on party like non-stop like there is a real life kind of just persevere just keep going just you know just the ability to keep going when you feel like you should switch jobs and do something more exciting or something more impressive that will look good on your CV, especially when you hit midlife. Like, what have you done? Like, work at a church on a computer, colouring in. <laughs> it's like, that's not that impressive. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's just realised, just growing up and being like, you know what, sometimes you just persevere. Like, that, that's kind of one of the key endurance. Like, the Bible values these values really highly yeah. and they're so important even in something like design yeah. as a beautiful thing when you actually like design on with the same group of people for like 20 years it's like it's like any relationship it's like you know them really well you know what's in their head you know what they want to communicate you know how to communicate it it's like there's a kind of a synergy and a flow that happens and that is 
efficient but also effective at the same time you're just like on the same page like you are genuinely brothers it's not like this kind of twee cliche thing we say at church but don't really live out it's actually like i'd probably take a bullet for you but um or i'd you know i'm absolutely for you even if you make me unemployed like i want you to win it's like you do develop that over time but it does it does take time for you to for you to get there yeah it's it's beautiful it's precious when you realize the gift of church as family rather than church as event or church as um, even an overemphasis of words like mission can sour it because you think this isn't about, let's, let's not make this about the purpose of achieving. Um, yeah. And even as you're talking about you know, so much of the Bible seems to understand the value of you know, fortitude and long suffering and patience. I guess for, for the world it was written into, their lives were boring. Mm. There, there was very yeah. little change and they, were, they had a very low life expectancy. It, was, it wasn't a life of high productivity, high achievement, high experience. And we in our society who have all of those things are realising oh, that isn't actually what we need anyway. Actually, yeah. the, the substance of what makes for a fruitful, fulfilling life isn't those things. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's meaningful relationships, it's creative endeavours, yeah. it's purpose, it's love. Um, all of those things. There's one little thought that I've that's always weighed on me, and it's the parable of the talents. And you kind of see that each guy getting given one talent to, to five talents, and you realise we are in a five talent generation with communication technology. And it's not necessarily for every church pastor out there, but for even just guys like me actually who want to get involved and and yeah. feel the responsibility. Like God's placed this on my heart. Actually, yeah, there is there is a a burden there to like you should have fun experimenting you should have fun creating it's not all for yourself actually you can bring that to church like can you make yourself available somehow for this stuff like can you volunteer some of your time or do a project for your church or um or go freelance and just be and give them a really good rate and just and and do that so there's kind of that parable of the talents has really sort of spoken to me that we've we've been given so much in terms of communication technology we've seen it explode in our lifetime with like uh the invention of the internet and smartphones they some people equate that to sort of on par with the invention of the printing press and how literacy expanded, exploded out of that and how the, the Bible was one of the first things off that printing press. It was, just, it was a really beautiful work of art as well. You just think, wow, what an act of worship. Like, we're called to play and experiment and create and build with precious stones. You know, you want to build on the foundation with precious stones. It's going to cost us something to do it, you know. But what is better than building with precious stones. And kind of the interesting thing about the parable is, is that it's not the guy with five talents that freaks out, it's the guy with one talent that freaks out. It's kind of the guy that hasn't got much and sees everybody else with loads more than them that freaks out and sticks his head in the ground or sticks his, sticks his talent in the ground and buries it. Mm. But when the master comes back, he's like, why don't you just put that in the bank and get some interest? And it's like, oh, there's a little lesson in there. It's like, don't overthink it. It might just be some really simple things you do. Mm. <laughs> like have a website, make sure that one of the first things you see is your your time and venue location and maybe put some sermons on there. Um, hopefully they're good enough. You'd hope they'd be good enough for the internet. If they're not good enough for the internet, they're not good enough for your church. So um, at least have a little selection on there. You know, there's like there's just simple things that we can do to like just take one more step, even if you are in that kind of low opportunity small church it's like we can all do something um so yeah final thought sam thanks so much my pleasure 
pursuing views propels you towards the superficial. I loved so much of what Sam said and so many things that he said were quotable little nuggets of wisdom like that one there. Pursuing views propels you towards the superficial and that can be true about so many aspects of life, not just to do with design and making videos and content for the internet. I love one of the things he said as well um, with regarding making things that go online. He said one of the beautiful things about producing things for your local church isn't that you'll reach the world, but that you can reach your town. In a global society like ours, where you can be in contact with people from Japan, as he said, still the, one of the most precious things is that the internet's able to connect us to people on our street and in our town that we otherwise would never meet. Let's not be so focused on global audiences that we neglect the local ones right in front of us. And lastly, something that he said that will stay with me is this. I asked him the question, how do you stay fresh? And he said, you keep something that is untouchable. Keep something that stays in the hobby zone of life. Something that you do just for the joy of it, not for the views or head counts or anything like that. And I don't know about you, about how that might translate or cross over in your life. There's so much truth in that and so much to be said for that. If you're privileged enough to do for a job the thing that you love doing most of all in life, it's so important that you keep aspects of it that are just precious and private and personal to you and you alone that you make maybe for your family or maybe make just for yourself. If you're a great chef and you're always cooking wonderful meals for strangers, don't ever lose the joy of cooking for your children or for your friends. If you work in healthcare, you can get so easily drained by the demands and the needs of your patients and of the people under your care. And it can be easy to overlook and neglect the people that are closest to you. Keep something that's untouchable that you love in the hobby zone of life. Do it for the joy, not for the views or for the reputation that you might gain or for the acknowledgement of others. Do it as an act of worship unto God and God alone. And surely that's key for keeping all sorts of things fresh in our lives as well. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for my conversation with Sam Arnold. I hope you found it helpful and inspirational. Don't forget that links and more information is available in the description to today's episode. And if you haven't yet done so, please also like and subscribe and share this conversation. Or if you're feeling extra generous, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. That way it helps get the conversation out to more people. That's it for now. God bless you. Stay well and keep pursuing Jesus with everything you've got. Until next time. Bye-bye.